It's interesting that just uh, probably three weeks ago, I was having a conversation with my son, uh, who is now a deacon in his church up in Johnson City, and uh, he had been wrestling with a sermon that he had heard, and they had, he was, had preached on the fear of the Lord. And it was something that he found uh, hard to reconcile with his understanding of the New Testament and the freedom that we have in Christ, and whether the fear of the Lord is something that is for us today, and what exactly does it mean if it is for us today. And uh, so, as I opened the Scripture this few weeks ago, and looking at the various Psalms, and I ended up in Psalm 34, and as I read it, in the heart of this Psalm is uh, the fear of the Lord. And I believe it is the heart of the Psalm, and the heartbeat of the Psalm, that it is an expression of the fear of the Lord that opens it up. It is a statement of direct wanting to teach and experience it in the heart of the psalm, and, and then what the life looks like flowing from it, the whole psalm is about fearing God. I believe it is a New Testament reality that we are to understand and live in. And so, as we come to God's Word this morning, um, let us open our hearts and our minds to what God would say to us. We're in Psalm 34, starting in verse 1. David writes and he says, I will, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in Yahweh. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify Yahweh with me. And let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me. And He delivered me from all of my fears. And those who look to Him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and Yahweh heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of Yahweh encamps around those who fear Him and He delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Oh, children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and His ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and He delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And He saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all of his bones and not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord redeems the life of His servants. And none of those who have taken refuge in Him will be condemned. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we come to your word this morning, longing for you to speak it to us with power. 
that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and lives shaped by the Word that is here. Your Word. Teach us what it is to fear You. That we may walk in this conscious, controlling awareness of our awesome, holy God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are a dozen sermons in this psalm. As I'm preparing this sermon, I'm like, this whole taste and see that the Lord is good is a whole sermon. I want to camp there. Or many are the afflictions of the righteous, but He delivers them from them all. There's a sermon there. There's a a dozen sermons in here, but I'm going to have to take the richness of all that is here and, and have mercy on me. Talk about the fear of the Lord and, uh, and pull it all uh, into that sort of lens as we read this psalm. You know, it wasn't long ago that it was a great compliment to refer to someone as a God-fearing man or a God-fearing woman. And it's not something that we hear anymore. I don't know if we even would hear that or a culture would hear that as a good thing, that somebody was a God-fearing person. Uh, But it used to be quite a compliment. It meant someone who lived a life of of devotion to God. And because they lived a life of devotion to God, their life had a certain moral uprightness to it. There There was a quality of life. You know, he was the guy you wanted working on your car. He was the guy you would want coming into your house to fix your plumbing or to do anything. You wanted someone who was a God-fearing person. Someone who loved the Lord and so that it shaped their work and their life and the way that they lived and interacted. Psalm 111, verse 10, which is also the same as the first chapter of Proverbs, it says this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To be God-fearing is to be the truly wise person. Wisdom is to see then and interpret the world. And this is what we'll unpack. It's to see and interpret the world to make our decisions, in a sense, under an awareness of God's greatness. At the heart of the present psalm is David's desire to teach God's people the fear of the Lord. Right, verse 11, come, O children. Now that's the children of Israel, or literally the children. Either way, it's the idea that from the youngest up, that we would learn. Come, children, and let me teach you. Listen to me, and I will teach you what it means to fear the Lord. He himself had experienced a miraculous deliverance. This psalm is written after he had been delivered. He feigned insanity. You know, so that this king would, would uh, not kill him and let him go. And he finds himself as the king of a, of a hostile nation under the power of this enemy king. And through not getting into the story and, and how he does it, but the bottom line is that God delivered him out from under that king to once again stand in the front of Israel as her king. And God delivered him miraculously and wonderfully out of his clutches. And David's heart in writing this psalm, his heart is full of the wonder and the worship and the gratitude of fearing the God of Israel and tasting and seeing in his own experience the blessing and deliverance that comes from knowing, loving, and walking with this God. The blessings are running throughout the whole 
psalm. Verse 7, he says that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him. Not anybody else. But to those who fear Him, the angel of the Lord, in, in that whole image there, there's some debate about who the angel of the Lord is. Is it truly just an angel of Yahweh who is a messenger who who comes and angels have a ministering role in the lives of believers. And, but many times the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is an is a early Old Testament manifestation of God the Son, of the One who would be incarnate as Jesus Christ. The second person of the Trinity is the, the Lord of God's hosts. The Lord Sabaoth, when we sing that song, it's not Lord, uh, Lord Sabbath, it's Lord Sabaoth. It's a Hebrew word for hosts. He is the Lord of hosts. And so this idea that He encamps around, you know, one person doesn't encamp around anything, right? But, but a host does. The Lord, the angel of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, His armies, His hosts, encamp around those who fear Him. In other words, a, that hedge of protection that we pray for sometimes, you know, that idea that the Lord would surround us and protect us and deliver us, is here for those who fear Him. He is able. And so in verse 9, He implores them to fear. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, His people. Because those who fear Him will lack nothing. It reminds us back to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I will lack nothing. So the Lord is the shepherd of those who fear Him. And they want for nothing. Nothing good God provides and gives everything good that we need. If it is good in His estimation, the estimation of a wise and loving and almighty God, then you will have it. He implores to them to let Him teach Him because Psalm 25, and I'm sorry for those doing, doing the slides, I've, I've put in some Scriptures and I may end up skipping some, so um, <clears throat> bear with me on that. But I've inserted here Psalm 25.14 where it says that the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. Think about that. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. And He makes known to them His covenant. Right? We, those who fear Him are those who enter into His covenant and know the friendship of God. Psalm 103.17 says, The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear Him. I want to fear the Lord. Do you not? Can you hear those Scriptures and not say, Yes, David! Teach me what it is! Tell me what it is to fear the Lord because that is the place I want to be. In the covenant, in the friendship of the Lord, not lacking anything with the armies and the hosts of the Lord encamped around me, surrounding, protecting, and delivering me. I want to live there. So David invites us, come, let me teach you the fear of the Lord. But I want us to see that David is going to say, I'm going to teach you. And then he says some things that I think directly teach us what the fear of the Lord is. But I also want us to see the rest of the psalm as we go to apply it as a psalm written by someone and expressive of a soul that already fears the Lord. And so what does a soul that fears the Lord look like? It looks like what David expresses throughout, I think, the whole psalm. And so I want to pull that in as we, as we define at the end some things of what it means to fear the Lord. I have to admit that the whole idea is a little confusing. 
because it has the word fear in it. <clears throat> generally, fear we don't see as a good thing. Right? Fear generally is something we want to be delivered from and we want to, our children delivered from. It's not something that we, would, we want to go and learn. I want to learn how to be afraid. Teach me fear so I will quake. You know, it, it's a little confusing that way, but there is a sense in which this fear, and we need to understand it, is, is not, it's a richer and broader term. It can encompass that raw fear, but it's so much more. And so let's get a sense of it, because the one whom we are to fear is our Father, who loves us, who redeems us, who saves us and cares for us and provides for us. He is the one you are to fear. And so what does it mean to fear the one you are not afraid of, but have his friendship? But before we dismiss the idea of just fear too quickly, because I think it it informs and gives a power to the idea that we need. And before we dismiss it too quickly, we have to admit, don't we? We have to admit at some level that the Lord is in fact a little bit scary. If you don't have a sense of that, then you have not read your Bible very clearly, very carefully or recently. The being that we're talking about is God, (laughs) is the only God, is divinity. He is is a self-existing being. Everything that exists was made by Him, for Him, through Him, to Him. He is one who is pure spirit and who we cannot see nor contain and cannot see and live. He is an omnipotent, all-powerful being who speaks universes into existence. Stars, you know, I was thinking about it, He speaks our sun into existence, and then I remembered, well, our sun is actually a small star. So, and, it's, and apparently the sun is about a hundred times bigger than the earth. And there are stars out there a thousand times bigger than our sun. So a hundred times, to, to get to ours, to times a thousand, it's like a hundred. He speaks suns that are a hundred thousand times bigger than ours into existence. Do you know that a sun is a ball of fire that the core of which burns at 27 million degrees Fahrenheit? And it was. We're talking about God. Each of us is at this very moment held into existence by the Word of His power. You exist because He says so. He upholds the universe, Hebrews 1 tells us, by the word of His power. And should He withdraw that word at any moment, your atoms would, would fly apart into non-existence in an instant. The Old Testament, you know, we move as we move into the New Testament revelation of who God is and we see Him in all of His grace and His mercy. There's so much there that we tend to want to move past and, and you know, and avoid the Old Testament. There are many who, who can't put them together. But the Old Testament is, is a revelation of who God is. And that whatever we arrive at in the New Testament, it is in a sense of who God is in the Old Testament that we get there. We don't, we don't put aside the revelation of God in the Old Testament for the revelation of God in the New. We, we arrive there through the Old Testament which comes first and we understand who God is in the New Testament in the context, in the sense of all that He is in the Old Testament. And you read, there's so many stories there. You know, this God who defeats armies and who doesn't need a single guy. You know, we read of His 
His power and His holiness in so many ways. In Leviticus 10, we read of Nadab and Abihu, who are two of the sons of Aaron, who, who bring the wrong incense on purpose. They, they, they concoct their own incense rather than what God said to do. And they bring it into the holy place for worship. And their fire comes from heaven and consumes them. Or you have that guy Uzziah who, who is accompanying the ark in the, uh, in the cart to, to Jerusalem. And it was said, you need to know, back in the Pentateuch, no hand ever touches the ark. No human being gets to touch it. Ever. Like it is the ark of the covenant. The presence of God, once it is descended, he says no more. And so he's following the ark in the cart, and it stumbles, and it looks like the ark, the, the ark is going to fall, and he reaches out in good heart to steady it, and touches it, and dies. It's struck. <clears throat> you say, oh, that's Old Testament. Remember the story in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira lie to the Holy Spirit, and are struck down, just like touching the ark. God is sovereign over the lives of men. He is holy. He is other. He is creator. He is deity. And He does, as Psalm 135.6 says, whatever the Lord pleases, He does. Simple as that. In heaven, on earth, in the seas, in all the deeps, wherever it is, in the earth, in the heavens, in the universe, God does whatever He wants. He is sovereign over the lives of men. His will is like the will of a tornado. You can get in front of it if you want to, but I would suggest you don't. Revelation 14.7 It tells us to this God we are accountable. That the whole world is accountable to this God. Morally, for the way we have lived and whether our hearts were full of the fear of the Lord or whether not. Because the great indictment against humanity, one of the great indictments perhaps against you on that day, should it be true. He says in Romans 3 as he goes through, and he says that there's no one righteous, no one, not one, no one who seeks God. Their mouths are open graves. And you know, remember that list, Romans 3, if you've been there? And then he ended up in saying, summary statement, there is no fear of God before their eyes. And so in Revelation 14.7, it says this, fear God. And give Him glory. Right, this is the last book. It's where we're going. right? Fear God and give Him glory. Why? Because the hour of His judgment has come. That day will come. Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a fearful thing to fall into His hands. No one can see Him and live. Angels, you know, we see angels and we fall before them in fear because they're awesome. And everyone who has a glimpse of God, Isaiah and Isaiah 6, falls on the ground. He is, says, I'm undone. In, in, in Revelation chapter 1, when John gets a sight of the resurrected Jesus in His glory, it says, I fell at His feet as though dead. Why? Because He is awesome. In the best, realist most all right true sense of that word. He is awesome. The Scripture labors, hear, hear this, it, the Scripture labors to impress on our souls from Genesis to Revelation. The Scripture labors to impress on your soul 
one overarching and, ex- and supreme truth. Our God is an awesome God. Right? That's what the Scripture says. And this is, <clears throat> underlies everything else that it has to say. A- anything else that it has to say from Genesis to Revelation where we should fear God and give Him glory because His judgment day is coming. And we see the resurrected Jesus and f- would fall at His feet as so dead because our God is an awesome God. And this is where the fear of the Lord begins. It is... It is not necessarily to fear His judgment, and we're going to go there in a minute, you know, but it is, it is to have a right view, a real view, a sense of who God really is. To have the eyes of the blind open, to understand this God with whom we have to do. Hebrews 12 says, let us offer to God, Hebrews, New Testament, let us offer to God acceptable worship. Okay, writer of Hebrews, Paul, somebody else. What is this acceptable worship? Well, it's worship with reverence and awe. Why? Why why is it only acceptable to offer this worship with reverence and awe? Why? Because our God is a consuming fire. He always is. He always is. Our God is, a, is light in whom there is no darkness at all. He is a light of holiness that consumes sin and darkness. He is it's a metaphorical consuming fire, but He is a fire of holiness that does not tolerate wrong. C.S. Lewis writes in his books, and he's trying to convey some of these things to children. And, uh, and I love that quote. Most of you, if you've read them, are familiar with it. And, and Mr. Beaver, the children have made it into Narnia, and they're at the Beaver's house, and, and they're trying to figure out, they mention Aslan, who is this Aslan who's coming? And Mr. Beaver said, Aslan is a lion. No, he is, he is the lion. No, he is the great lion. Oh, says Susan. I thought he was a man. Right? Which is often what we do. We think he's just a, a holier man or a stronger man. Or he's, you know, he's, he's, like, you know, he's like us, but bigger in some sense. And he's like, no, he's not a man. Right? I thought he was a man. I, is he quite safe? I feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe. Mr. Beaver, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king. He's the king, I tell you. Right? I love it. He captures it. There's this, <clears throat> of course he isn't safe. He's not a man. He's not like a man. He is God. He's always God. And however, when He comes in His power and glory, it will seem awesome. But then let's say quickly, there is no fear in love. This awesome revelation of God is never to be far from our minds and our hearts. And I believe that the New Testament keeps that going. And I can point to you the places where it talks about fearing the Lord in the New Testament. And, and it is never, I think, to be far from our minds as we see in Revelation that we're to fear God and give Him glory. Uh, that He is a God of righteousness and He is coming. And we're never to have this far from our minds, even as New Testament saints. We're never to drag Him down. We're never to diminish Him. We're never to make Him smaller in our hearts and in our minds, which is what we tend to do with a buddy theology that makes it too, in my mind, too frivolous. We never make Him less than awesome. 
So to fear the Lord, David invites us to learn. But what we need to understand is this, that the fear of the Lord, though it is not less than that, and it contains that, and we must understand that, it is so much more than that. In other words, the fear of the Lord is, is I've read some things on it and really have helped me to come to believe that it is a complex set of emotions. Right? It's not any one thing. It's a bunch of things. It is you stand in the presence of this awesome God and all that He is and all that He has done all come into play because the awesome God has condescended to save. He has condescended to redeem to adopt us, to make us His own in love and mercy, to offer up His, His friendship. Those who fear the Lord have the friendship of God. And so, this friendship that still contains the fear, it doesn't say if you fear Me, you'll get friendship and the fear of the Lord can go out the window. Right? No, those who fear the Lord have the friendship of the Lord and they abide together. Somehow, in the same heart, in the same soul, they abide together. The awesome God has come near putting away our sin. This is how He does it in the friendship. He puts away our sin, forgiving and cleansing us, making a way that is safe into the presence of this awesome God that we should fear on our own to consider coming close to. 1 Peter 3.18 It says that Christ suffered once for sins. For your sins. For my sins. He suffered for sins. He paid the penalty for sins. The righteous one died for us who are the unrighteous ones. Why, Jesus? So that He might bring us to this awesome God. To deal with the sin problem. That which God is light and in Him is no darkness at all and I'm full of darkness. He is a consuming fire and to approach that flame would be my destruction. But Jesus, in His own body, bore our sin so that suffering for sins and suffering its penalty for us, the righteous one for the unrighteous, we, he says, can be brought to God in Christ. To this awesome one. Right? There is no fear. 1 John 4.18 says there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Praise be to God. Fear has to do with punishment. Right? And so Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And where there's, there's no condemnation, fear has to do with punishment. And there's no condemnation. And so perfect love has cast out fear. I do not fear His judgment. And so we enter into, our fear is transformed. We still know who He is. And we still know that my sin deserves that judgment. I deserve that punishment. I deserve hell. There are those who will face that wrath on one day that is to come. And so there is this, even though there is this sense in which I am set free from fear in His perfect love that is toward us in Christ, yet I am not delivered from a full sense of who it is that has pardoned me. Who it is that accepts and embraces me. Romans 8.15, Paul says, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by Him we are free to cry, Abba, Father. But let us not forget who our Father is. 
Even when he taught us to pray, when you pray, he says, pray like this. Pray, Abba, Father, who art in heaven. (laughs) Hallowed be thy name. Right? You are holy and high and lifted up. You don't dwell where men dwell. You are not like a man. I can call you Abba. That is the radical. That is the amazing, life-altering thing. But the one who we call Abba is in heaven. And His name is holy. The fear of God then now contains the love of God. In a way that's hard to understand. He has loved us and saved us and redeemed us. And we find that in the knowledge of the, the, this God in all of His awesome glory, we find that we are the objects of His love. That this one has loved me. Chosen me. Adopted me. I belong to Him. It was so in Israel. Israel got this. All the way back. I'm going to give you Deuteronomy 10, 12 and 13. You know, he says, Now, Israel, what does the Lord require, the Lord our God require of you? And I believe He still requires it of you today, brothers and sisters. What does He require of you but to fear the Lord, your God, Yahweh, who is your God, to walk in all of His ways and to love Him. And in loving Him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Keeping His commandments. And you see, it goes from a servile fear you know, of a slave into the, the serving heart of love and obedience to a father. right? But do you see it in there? When He says that we're to serve the Lord, He says, with all your heart. You know, not in fear. Not grudgingly. Not dragging yourself. No. Serve this One whom you fear. Serve Him with all of your heart and all of your soul. Right? Jesus uses that to define love. You know, love, well, Deuteronomy, the, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Fear the Lord and serve Him. Love Him with all your heart. They're, 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 they're intermixed. They're un, unbreakable. They are one thing. It's a complex set of emotions that in the New Testament then comes to be awe and reverence and but amazement and wonder and worship and Love and joy and pleasure to be in the presence of this One. It's a set of emotions that, that generates worship. I had five for a number of, of things living in fear that I want to give you. And I'm going to give them to you really quickly. And we're going to move to communion. But the first one is worship. Right? Do you see how this goes? Both in the fear of the Lord as He reveals Himself, Old Testament and New, but also in the love of God that He gives toward us. Jesus says, if you love Me, you'll obey Me. God says, fear Me and obey Me. Right? And love Me in all of your heart. And these things together. And it all comes from and leads to and flows who this God is, a heart of worship. And that's where David starts. You cannot know this God and be loved by Him. To know Him as He is. And be loved by Him. And not be a worshiper. If you're not a worshiper in that sense, you don't know Him. And you have not understood what He has done for you in Christ. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my mouth. Right? It will be in my mouth. Why? Because He knows this God. And He is loved by this God. And this God has deigned to deliver Him from His enemies. You know, to, be, to encamp around Him and protect Him. And He worships this God. There's no 
There's no servile fear here, but there is a, there is a man on his face. I will praise you all the time. My mouth will, morning to night as I have opportunity, will worship you. Come magnify the Lord with me. Verse 3. Come magnify. You know, praise is not consummated until we do it together in a sense. The Old Testament and the New is so corporate. You know, it belongs together. A man who fears the Lord loves the Lord's people. And he says, come together. Exalt Him together with me. Let me teach you His fear and let's walk in His ways together. This is the Old Testament. This corporate walking with Him as a people in the New Testament. Not forsaking the gathering together of ourselves. But we will exalt His name together. It is a mark of the heart that fears the Lord, that they love His people. And you read First John, and John says it again. If we say we love Him and we hate our brothers, we lie. This is not true. It can't be true. It's a heart of submission and obedience. It's where he goes next. He says, let me teach you about the fear of the Lord. And what does he say? Keep your tongue from evil. Turn away from what is evil and to turn toward good and seek it and pursue it. Right? The heart that fears the Lord hates evil. That's at the very, very heart of it. It is to know God and His holiness. If you really understand this, this purity, this holiness, this being who is light, we love the light and we hate the darkness. To know Him and to be in His friendship. Why First John does the same thing, doesn't he? John makes that same one. If we, if we say we know Him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth, because there is where it says God is light and in Him is no darkness. Like First John, John gets it. He gets the Old Testament. You know, what does it mean to fear Him? It's to know Him as He is. In His light, in His holiness. And so it is to turn away from evil. And it is to do good. And so a God-fearing man is a man who hates evil. is trying to flee it. And is seeking to live a life that is pleasing to this One who has condescended to reveal Himself to us and to allow us to be loved by Him and to come near in friendship. So it is a heart of repentance. I'm not going to develop it in here, but you cannot hate your sin and not be living a life of repentance. Because you sin every day. And so every day you're going to be in this process of hating and turning from your sin and turning toward the Lord and loving Him and wanting to please Him. And we live there as we pursue Him and love Him. It's a heart of fearlessness and confidence. And I close with that. You know, David says over and over again that the Lord delivers me. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. I feared the Lord and He delivered me from all the rest of the fears in the world. Right? If we submit and we come under the fear of this world, Awesome God. He says you have nothing else to fear. And Jesus tells us He's the one we fear. As you go to share it, He says the, the Gospel and grace as we stand in a world that could be a little frightening in itself. And he says, but he says, what do you have to fear from man? I'll tell you who you should fear. Fear God. And when you fear God, you are delivered from every other fear. You don't even have to fear death. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? I am delivered into the fear of the Lord. This complex set of emotions that really comes to a conscious, controlling awareness of an awesome God. And to live there. A conscious, controlling awareness of an awesome God. And I live under His shadow of His wing every day. 
and the choices I make and the life that I live and the way that I use my tongue and the way that I treat people and the way that I am honest or dishonest, it all has to do with living under the shadow of this conscious, controlling awareness that our God is an awesome God and He has loved me and delivered me from the darkness. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank You that You have loved us like this and You have showed us who You are in all of Your glory and we thank You for Your Word that is living and true and Your Psalms that are so full of life and heart and the, the throbbing life of Men who knew and loved and feared You. Oh, we bow the knee this morning and ask, teach us the fear of the Lord. That we may turn away from evil and love what is good and pursue it. To the glory of Your name and the good of Your people we pray. Amen.